This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of lateral ulnar collateral ligament injury from the shoulder and elbow section on orthobullets.com. Lateral ulnar collateral ligament injury is a form of elbow instability characterized by posterolateral subluxation or dislocation of the radiocapitellar and ulnohumeral joints. It is usually associated with a traumatic elbow dislocation, or it is caused by insufficiency of the lateral elbow collateral ligament complex, which is caused primarily by insufficiency of the lateral ulnar collateral ligament, or the LUCL. As far as the pathophysiology, this can be related to either traumatic, iatrogenic, or chronic attenuation problems. The traumatic etiology is most often discussed as a result of elbow dislocation. The mechanism is a combination of forearm supination, axial loading, valgus or posterolateral stress, as well as elbow extension, which causes progressive failure of the lateral collateral ligament complex and anterior capsule, resulting in posterolateral subluxation of the radial head and external rotation of the semilunar notch away from the trochlea. In addition, the common extensor origin can also be avulsed, and keep in mind that the radio-ulnar articulation remains intact. As far as iatrogenic injury, this can be from arthroscopic or open procedures of the lateral elbow that go posterior to the equator of the radial head, for example, debridement of lateral epicondylitis. Arthroscopic debridements should always be kept anterior to the equator of the radial head. As far as chronic attenuation, this can be secondary to chronic cubitus varus malunion, as abnormal lateral thrust stretches out the LUCL with time. An abnormal triceps vector further stretches the LUCL. As we mentioned, elbow dislocations are the associated condition with an LUCL injury. As far as anatomy, the lateral collateral ligament complex consists of four components, the accessory lateral collateral ligament, the annular ligament, the lateral radial collateral ligament, and the lateral ulnar collateral ligament. The lateral ulnar collateral ligament is the primary stabilizer to varus and external rotation stress. The origin of the LUCL is the lateral humeral epicondyle, and the insertion is the tubercle of the supinator crest of the ulna. As far as presentation of patients with lateral ulnar collateral ligament injuries, pain is the primary symptom. Mechanical symptoms can include clicking and catching, etc., and this will often occur with elbow extension and when pushing off from the arm of a chair. On physical exam, inspection and palpation may reveal tenderness over the LUCL. As far as motion and stability, there may be varus instability that you will notice on exam. Some provocative tests to be aware of include the lateral pivot shift test, the posterior drawer test, the apprehension test, a chair rise test, a tabletop relocation test, and a floor push-up test. With respect to the lateral pivot shift test, the patient lies supine with the affected arm overhead. The forearm is supinated and valgus stress is applied while bringing the elbow from full extension to 40 degrees of flexion. With increased flexion, the triceps tension reduces the radial head, and often this test is more reliable on an anesthetized patient. In a posterior drawer test, the patient lies supine with the affected arm overhead. The forearm is supinated and the examiner's index finger is placed under the radial head and the thumb over it. Application of a posterior force will cause posterior subluxation of the radial head. With an apprehension test, the patient lies supine with the affected arm extended overhead. The forearm is supinated and valgus stress is applied while flexing the elbow. On a floor push-up test, the patient cannot do push-ups with the forearm supinated. 
As far as imaging, recommended views on radiographs include an AP and lateral view of the elbow. It's important to rule out associated fractures and confirm concentric reduction in the setting of an acute dislocation. Standard radiographs are often of little value in evaluating for posterolateral rotatory instability. Fluoroscopic imaging during provocative testing, for example a pivot shift test, may demonstrate radial head subluxation. An MRI may not be helpful in the setting of recurrent instability and LUCL attenuation as visualizing the ligament can be difficult due to its oblique course. As far as findings, you can identify acute avulsion of the LUCL in acute instability. As far as sensitivity and specificity, LUCL pathology is identified in 50% of patients. Now let's quickly go over the differential for lateral ulnar collateral ligament injury. And these basically include varus posteromedial rotatory instability or valgus posterolateral rotatory instability. And let's talk about the differences between the two with respect to the radial head, a coronoid fracture, the MCL, the LCL, and the physical exam. Varus posteromedial rotatory instability has no radial head fracture, while valgus posterolateral rotatory instability typically has a radial head fracture. As far as a coronoid fracture, Varus posteromedial rotatory instability has greater than 15% involvement of the anteromedial facet, while valgus posterolateral rotatory instability has less than 15%, and this is typically a tip fracture. As far as the MCL, varus posteromedial rotatory instability has the posterior band of the MCL ruptured and the anterior band is intact, while in valgus posterolateral rotatory instability, the anterior band of the MCL is ruptured. With respect to the LCL, in both varus posteromedial rotatory instability and valgus posterolateral rotatory instability, the LCL complex, which includes the LUCL, has an avulsion. With respect to physical exam on varus posteromedial rotatory instability, this will involve valgus stress, moving valgus, and the milking maneuver, while in valgus posterolateral rotatory instability, physical exam will involve varus stress, chair rise, and a lateral pivot shift test. Moving on to treatment for LUCL injury, this can be either non-operative or operative. Non-operative options include acute reduction followed by immobilization at 90 degrees of flexion for 5 to 7 days, or bracing, extensor strengthening, activity modification with avoidance of gravity varus positions. And we'll go over the indications for each of these now. Acute reduction followed by immobilization at 90 degrees of flexion for 5 to 7 days is indicated for acute elbow dislocations. As far as the technique, Following reduction, assess post-reduction stability. You will place these patients in a posterior splint for 5 to 7 days with the elbow at 90 degrees of flexion and the forearm appropriately positioned based on post-reduction stability. If the LCL is disrupted but the MCL is intact, splint in full pronation as this tightens the lateral structures. If the LCL and MCL is disrupted, splint this patient in neutral. You will not splint in full supination, you will only do this for MCL ruptures only, as the LCL is always disrupted in posterolateral rotatory instability. Finally, in this non-operative protocol, you will have early active range of motion following splint removal, plus or minus an extension block. You will have full supination slash pronation from 90 degrees to full flexion, and you'll progress with increasing extension by 30 degrees weekly, but with the forearm in full pronation. After six weeks, full supination and extension will be allowed. 
with respect to bracing, extensor strengthening, activity modification with avoidance of gravity varus positions. This is indicated for mild, chronic posterolateral rotatory instability and or for low-demand patients. Operative options may include open reduction, fracture fixation, and LUCL repair, or LUCL reconstruction with the graft. An open reduction, fracture fixation, and LUCL repair is indicated for osteochondral fragments or soft tissue entrapment, which prevents concentric reduction. Is indicated for an osteochondral fragment or soft tissue entrapment that prevents concentric reduction. Other indications include complex dislocation, which has associated fractures present, or for acute instability, in which open and arthroscopic techniques have been described. As far as LUCL reconstruction with the graft, this is indicated for a chronic posterolateral rotatory instability. Now let's quickly go over the techniques for a reconstruction of the LUCL complex, and the approach can be either posterior midline or a coker approach. As far as graft types, an autograft or an allograft tissue may be used. Palmaris longus is the most common. Gracilis and triceps fascia are also utilized. As far as graft configuration, the tendon graft is tied to itself over the lateral column after placing it through a tunnel in the supinator crest and then weaving it through the quote wide tunnel configuration in the humerus. It's critical that the graft covers greater than the posterior 25% of the radial head to create a sling. The graft can be placated to the capsule to maintain position and the capsule can be placated to augment repair. The graft is secured with the arm in neutral rotation and 45 degrees of flexion. Again, the graft is secured with the arm in neutral rotation and 45 degrees of flexion. As far as graft fixation, the graft may be, quote, docked on the humerus with sutures exiting the, quote, wide tunnels or on both the humeral and ulnar sides with interference screws or sutures tied over the bone in the overlay technique. With a coronoid fracture or IF slash anterior capsular laxity, large fragments should be fixed with the screw from the dorsal ulnar surface and this is aided by an ACL-type guide to improve accuracy. Small fragments should be excised, but a suture plication of the anterior capsule to the broken tip increases stability and can be placed with the aid of an ACL-type graft. Postoperatively, these patients are protected from varus stress across the elbow and shoulder abduction postoperatively with a locked hinge brace. Early range of motion is encouraged, plus or minus an extension block with progressive gain to full extension and supination by 6 to 8 weeks. It's important to keep the forearm in full pronation during range of motion until after 6 weeks. The major complications to be aware of with LUCL injuries are recurrent instability, which has a 3 to 8% incidence, infection, cutaneous nerve injury, which has a decreased risk with the posterior midline approach, and finally, decreased range of motion. That's all for this review about lateral ulnar collateral ligament injuries. Hopefully that was helpful. Look out for questions related to this topic on this weekend's question session, and hopefully this episode will have prepared you for that review. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on iTunes. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.